The following audio is from Overland Park Community Church. More information about OPCC is available online at www.overlandpark.cc. Welcome to Overland Park Community Church. It's good to have you here today. I got a lot of my family here with me, and I'm excited about that. I have time with them and hang out with them this weekend, so it's good to have them in service. I want to ask a question real quick. How many um, bow hunters do we have in, in the service today? Just raise your hand. One's one standing witness. Come on, bro. I asked this question for Coop only because Coop bought his first bow yesterday. And so I wanted him to be able to say, like, I'm in. And so anyway, uh, excited for him. And uh, how many NASCAR fans do we have? Yeah, I'm going to get you out on time. Don't worry. All right. So it's a good day, good day to be in, in, in church, good day to worship the Lord. Appreciate the spirit of worship and Brent's leadership in it. Appreciate you guys engaging in it. Appreciate how I've got some feedback from you as we've dug in the word. I hear you guys like, you know, you're just digging into this stuff. And that's encouraging to me uh, as, a, as a teacher, preacher, whatever, whatever you want to call me, of the word of God. Just see you guys actively just getting in it, seeing how the Lord is moving in your life. Because there are some, there's some crazy stuff in the world, man. Like there's some crazy stuff that people in the world believe and teach. Like just... Like you watch the news and you hear philosophically where a person's lining up and you're just like, wow. If you're on social media and you read stuff, it's just crazy how much stuff is out there and it's just flying at us constantly. And the things that people believe and, and, and they say and they even try to like get us to believe those things. Um, and so the, the question is, how are we supposed to live in a crazy world and we know we're supposed to be pleasing God. Like, how do we live this thing out? How do we love life and please God so that we can love life more? And that's what this series is all about. That's what John is trying to teach us in this epistle. He's, just, he's like, man, this is how you love life. This is how you live life the way that Christ died for us to live. And he's correcting all this doctrinal error and that is error that is creeping up in the church, and he's trying to deal with this heresy and, 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 and put it to bed, you know, and get, get people who really know the Lord on track. And so the, you know, we look at this as how are we to know what, what is right or who is right and who to listen to? Like, for instance, how do you even know that I'm right? Like, you guys are coming in week after week, and the hope is that you're bringing your friends, and how do you know? Like, how do you know what I say is right as opposed to what someone else might say? Well, the Word teaches us. 1 John chapter 4, verse 1, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. So what does John tell us as we jump into John, 1 John chapter 4, verse 1? The first thing he says, test every single spirit. Like every spirit. Now, I think it is important for us to realize that when he says test spirits, he's not talking about us testing paranormal activity with some kind of little, you know, there it is right there. Did you see that flash? No. There is a spirit behind everything. There is a spirit behind every person, how they move throughout the li or their lives, how they do business, how they function in the world. There is a spirit behind it. And so there is a spirit behind my preaching. There is a spirit behind every preacher's preaching. There is a spirit behind the banker's banking. There is a spirit behind the baker's baking. 
There is a spirit behind everything. There is a spirit behind some of your driving, right? There's a spirit behind everything. And so it's not so much that we're looking for a spiritual paranormal activity. We're understanding that there is a spiritual realm that is influencing everything that is happening around us. And as we're interacting with other people, John says, test every spirit because every spirit is not from God. If there were false prophets in John's day, think of how many there are today. Like There, there are people who believe things that just do not line up with what the scripture teaches. And then there are, there are people who are blatant about it. They deny even that the Bible is the word of God. But then there are some people, and this is what John was dealing with, is there are some people within the church who are twisting the word of God and trying to make it say something that it doesn't say. And that is extremely dangerous. And so John says, hey, test every spirit. We are flooded with imp- information and we should be cautious. Not only should we be cautious, John is telling us here, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, as God is preserving his word, we are told to test every spirit. Do you do that? Like, do you test every spirit behind every relationship that you have? Are you dealing with what is going on here? Because every spirit is not from God, and it cannot be trusted. And so someone gives you advice, or they hand you a source and say, here's a book. Like, they may be well-meaning, but in the person who wrote the book, what is the spirit behind them writing it? Like, and I meant, again, I don't mean that, hey, man, they're these demonic people. Like, they may not even know. They may be totally unaware of what they're writing. Am I saying that, that a person who writes a book who's not a, uh, in the kingdom can uh, not be any benefit of us, to us? No, I'm not saying that at all. That would be foolish to say that. But I am saying that when we're reading something, we should know and we should test it, and we should realize, okay, I'm, I'm diving into something here where someone may not believe and have a worldview exactly like I do, and I need to test that spirit as I'm taking that information in and realize, okay, I've got a filter on here. What if this is usable for me? What if this is available? And what if this do I need to be cautious about? And so we test every spirit. We test every spirit behind the counsel that we are given by someone is counseling us about Let's say our marriage, you work with a guy, and, and, and he start, you tar, start talking to him about marriage, and you, maybe you're struggling a little bit, and he starts telling you and giving you some advice, and it may be horrible advice. Could be good advice, okay? But what should we do? We should test the spirit and go, what is behind this guy? What is he saying? Like, how much um, can I listen to him? It's interesting to, to me when I was uh, younger, and I went through a very difficult time in my life that most of you have heard me talk about. I couldn't sleep, and I was working in a, a factory at the time. I was, I was 22 years old, and I, I just couldn't sleep, and I was talking to some of the people that I worked in, and I worked the, the shift from 2.30 to 11 o'clock at night, and so there were several people there that were um, well beyond in years that, that had some wisdom, and I, I, some of them were Christians, and some of them weren't, and I remember distinctly, I can remember this. One guy, he talked talk to me, and he encouraged me, man, you need to get in the Word and read the Word. This is another guy. He told me, man, you need to get you a bottle of whiskey and keep it by the bed. And he said, when you can't sleep, just get you a little nip and it'll even you out. Well, the, like the guy was not a bad guy. I loved the guy. He was a nice guy, but there was, there was a spirit behind that. He probably doesn't even realize there was a spirit behind it because it's just how he was living his life. 
And so, like, we need to be able to test every spirit. And we need to know when someone gives us some advice, what is the source behind it? It should be tested, and we should decide, is this something that I should trust? Is this good, wise counsel that comes from God? And, and we have to be very careful because here's the deal, man. Even the demons of hell masquerade in light. So we're told to test. Like, <laughs> James, the half-brother of Jesus, they share the same um, father or mother, and not the same father. Obviously, God is Jesus' father. And, and he says, listen, you do well to believe in Jesus. Even the demons in hell believe in Jesus, that he is the son of God. And so, like, there's a difference in uh, the spirit behind one's belief and how they are like, have they been transformed by the power of God? Does the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, live in them? Does he indwell them? Can, and are they being led of the Lord who is alive in them? And so John is trying to, like, get us there. And so it begs the question, if we're told to test every spirit, how in the world do you test it? How do you test a spirit? Well, good news. Verses 2 and 3 teach us. This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God, John says. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you've heard is coming and even now is already in the world. Here's the second point. You test every spirit, the way you do it is you weigh what they say. What do they say about Jesus. When we're talking to someone, we ought to be asking the question, what does this person think about Jesus Christ? Even Jesus did this. Like Jesus did this when he was walking on the planet. In Matthew chapter 22, verse 42, he's talking to the Pharisees, and this is what he says. What do you think about the Christ or the Messiah? What do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? So he's, he's, he's nailing it. What do you think about the Messiah, the son of God? Well, it was the Son of God that was asking them that question. In Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 15, he's discipling um, the apostles. He's walking with them, and he says, he says, when he came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? And they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And Jesus said, but what about you, he asked, who do you say that I am? So even Jesus, and this is where John was discipled in this, he was taught by Jesus, Jesus said, who do you think I am? And so if we're going to test the spirit of an individual, one of the things that we need to know is, do they know Jesus? Now the cool thing is you generally can figure out if a person knows the Lord because you will feel a kinship to them. You will feel a connection with them. You will feel close to them. As a matter of fact, you can meet another believer, and in, in no time you can feel deep, like deep spiritual family. Why? Because they know Jesus, and you know Jesus, and the living God is in them, and he is in you, and the connection is Jesus. And so we ought to be asking the question as we're testing the spirits, what does a person believe about Jesus? And John is telling us we need to weigh what they say because the spirit that is behind what they're saying may not be from God. Now, we're not saying, again, I want to be very clear. I'm not, saying, I'm not saying that you go to work this week and look at everybody like they're devils, okay? I'm not saying that. I'm saying you be cautious and understand that information comes in. 
and the Spirit of God lives in you, and we need to test. And we don't need to alienate people that don't have the Spirit of God, and so we don't need to treat those people who don't. This is, boy, this is strong right here. This is good. Get this? Don't treat people who don't have the Spirit of God like they have the Spirit of God. You will alienate them. You will hurt them. You will wound them. You will treat them like, like you beat them down. Like you gotta love people who are not part of the kingdom of God. Don't, don't like be afraid of letting the word do its work in them. But it's, it's important for us to understand that, that everybody in the world doesn't have the spirit of God. And so we can't expect them to act like they do. But we fully can expect everybody who does have the spirit of God to act like they have the spirit of God in their lives. And that's how we begin impacting people who don't have that spirit. And we realize that we're living in a world that, that unless a person is born again with the power of the Holy Spirit, they don't know Jesus. They don't have the living God of the universe living in them, and so they should be treated likewise, and, and we should take special care with them, not treat them like a person who does know Jesus. Now, I think it, it, the, the other conclusion we can draw from that is a person who does know Jesus, we could be a little bit more intense with them. Like, we should push and lean into them a little bit more. Why? Because they have the Spirit of the Lord in them, and we should all be sharpening each other as iron sharpens iron, which is what the Word teaches us to do. And so John is telling us we need to weigh what they say because the Spirit behind what they're saying may not be from God, and we cannot let the system of the world take root in our head because it may find its way to our heart. Remember, John has taught us do not love the world. Do not conform to the world. But yet we find in John, for God so loved the world. And I taught you a few weeks ago that there are different words for the, uh, or different meanings for the word world or cosmos from the Bible. And one is people. Um, but one that is very important is a system. Okay? And so like when, in this context, when John says, do not love the world. He's saying, do not love the system of the world, the world's system. Like, do not love, we would say a system is the world of sports, the world of politics, the world of outdoors. All of these things are systems, you know, philosophies behind something that describe something. Well, there is a system of the world, and John says, as believers, we are not to love that system. We are to be cautious of that system. We are to be aware of that system. We are to test um, every spirit and weigh what people are saying because if it is of the world and we allow it to take root into our head, it will enter our hearts and corrupt the very thing the gospel is trying to bring about, which is freedom and life in us. And so the problem that we have in the American church today is there are too many people whom what we might call carnal Christians who have allowed the world to move from their head into their heart, and they're trying to love Jesus and the world at the same time. And Jesus said, you cannot have two masters. And so we've got to be these type of people who are looking and testing the spirits and going, what am I letting land in my head and move and make its way and find a home in my heart? Because if I'm doing that, I may be listening to spiritual activity that is not of God. And I shouldn't be doing that. Why shouldn't I be doing that? Because I'm the temple of the Holy Spirit and God lives in me. And I don't want that stuff getting in me and corrupting the way that God wants me to live. You cannot let the, the system of the world take root in your heart. If you try to operate this way, you end up being a spiritual schizophrenic. You're just all over the place, man. You can't rest. You can't have joy. You know, one of the great things in my life today is a great day. 
Woke up this morning, went to bed a little bit early, woke up a little bit early, and slept so good. Somebody said, man, did you hear that? Jonah said, did you hear that, that thunder last night? It shook my bed. I said, bro, I didn't hear anything. And I woke up, and Abby said, this morning, I'm just filled with joy today. And I said, well, take some of that joy and put it in this right shoulder right here. <laughs> it's a good word, man. My wife was filled with joy when she woke up this morning. Like, like the, what a, what a, for me as a husband, the greatest thrill in my life is to hear my wife say, I'm filled with joy. Because that's where we're supposed to be living. And the way we live there is that we walk out our lives in such a way that we are listening to what the Lord is asking us to do. We recognize that spirits are, that are the spirit of God and what is from God and what is not from God. And we allow the stuff that is from God to take root in our heart. And we weed the stuff that is not from God out of our heart. We test every spirit. We weigh what people say. We weigh what is trying to be said to us. Even Brent sang the song this morning. Whisper, whisper, whisper in my ear, tell me words. How's it, Brent? Did I need something I need to hear? But the point is, Lord, help me to hear what you're saying. Help me to hear that voice. And so we're, we're, we're becoming sensitive to that and we're trying to listen to God and allow that stuff to get in our head and allow it to make its way into our hearts so that we're falling love in love with the Lord's system and not the, the world's system. And so if you, if you try to, again, if you don't do that, if we're not very disciplined in that, then what happens is we end up being spiritual schizophrenics. Anything that is not rooted in Christ as God come in the flesh is the spirit of Antichrist. Now, a lot of people, like, you start thinking about it, and you don't hear a, a ton of teaching about it, that the Lord is coming back, man. And the Bible teaches that there will be an Antichrist a figure who will lead many people astray. And I can remember even younger, when I was younger, you hear the preachers talking about this stuff, and like, man, whoa. Like, I don't want to follow that dude. Like, I don't want to have anything to do with that. And so some of you even today may be thinking sometimes the Lord tries to speak to you, and you like think, well, man, you hear something about that, and you're like, I don't want to get caught up in that. How do you protect yourself from being led astray from this figure who will be fully empowered by the enemy in the future before this incredible um, catastrophic event before the end of time. And, 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 and the prophecies tell us that many people will follow him. How do you protect yourself and make sure that you're not going to follow him? You realize that the spirit of Antichrist is here today. And if you don't listen to the spirit of Antichrist, you don't have to worry about listening to the Antichrist. If you aren't in love with the world system and you're in love with the Lord's system, you don't have to worry about any spiritual leader coming up and confusing you because you're going to know how to test what is taught, weigh what they say, and as soon as anybody stands up, regardless of how eloquent they are or how many people follow them, you will recognize if what they are saying is the truth of God or part of the world system. And we live in a world where a lot of the faith in Christianity and what it means to be a follower of Jesus and the word of God is mixed in with the world system, and we have had to adapt. I'm gonna tell you something right now. I'm not adapting for anything. My life is built on the word of God. And if I didn't have the word of God, like, I don't even know how you even do church. 
Like what is the objective standard of reality that sits outside of ourselves that tells us how we're supposed to live? Because everybody's saying all kinds of different things, but I at least want to know that I'm lining up with what the word teaches. And so John is trying to get us to see that. Um, Now this sort of stuff is kind of scary, this talk of devils and antichrists and and all of these things. So what do we do? Well, the word teaches us. He just keeps on going. He says, you, dear, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. And here's the last point. If he is in you, the world can't spin you. Like if the Lord is in you, the world cannot spin you. The system of the world cannot spin you and get you away from what the Lord has done in your heart. And that's why John is talking so much about a spiritual transformation in a person's life. It's not religion where a person intellectually comes to the point of the knowledge of Jesus as a person and the knowledge of what he did, but it is a faith response that Jesus Christ was God in the flesh. That's what he says, any spirit that does not acknowledge that Jesus was God in the flesh is anti-Christ. And that spirit is alive and well today. We see it all around us. It's happening everywhere. There's a spirit of antichrist. And so we should be encouraged because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And this is why it is essential for the truth of God to move from my head into my heart so that I have experienced what it is to be born again. You see, God is at work in us, and we must learn to die to ourselves and let him do his work. That's what John's trying to teach us. And so the question is, how does he do work? How does God go to work on you? Like, if, if God doesn't want you, he wants you to test every spirit, he wants you to weigh what they say so that you can, um, um, he can be in you and the world can't spin you. Like, if, if that's the case, then how does God do his work to make sure that you are protected and you are living the life of growth and spiritual growth of sanctification where you're just growing more and more like Christ? If you, listen, man. If you look the same as a follower of Jesus that you did six months ago, something is wrong. Like, and you, like I, I, I with 100% confidence can stand before you and say that because I've been following Jesus for, for decades now and I'm not the same person I was six months ago. Like he continually teaches me and stretching me and showing me new things and pulling me along. And the way that he's doing that is he's doing work in my life. So how does the Lord do work in your life? How do you allow him to do work in your life? Well, we need to look no further than 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. And we also thank God continually because when you receive the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as human word, but as it actually is the word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe. The way God works on us is with the word. And when the word goes to work in us, the world can't spin us. Why? Because the, work is, the word is doing its work, man. It's keeping us sensitive. If you are not in the word, you will not be sensitive to the system of the world in which you're commanded not to love. And you won't even know when you start to fall in love with it because you have not walked in the uh, spirit. You've walked in the flesh, which Galatians chapter 5 teaches us specifically don't do that. Be filled with the spirit. 
Be like he's like he says, like walk in the fullness of the spirit. And the way we do that is we get the word in us and allow it to do its work on us, and then that helps us to be sensitive to the things and the spirits that are not of God. So, like, do you know how to do that? Do you know how to be sensitive to the things that are the this that is the sensitive to the spirit of God and be sensitive to the spirit that is not of God? And so John keeps hammering out this concept over and over, and he talks about greater is he that is in you than he that is in us. And we will see even as he finishes out this chapter, and he talks about love, and, um, and, and he just takes us on that journey one more time. He, he uses this word meno, the Greek word meno. It means to abide. It's all over John chapter 15. It is abiding in Christ. And when we abide in Christ, we will bear fruit. Apart from Christ, you can do nothing. But when you're abiding in Christ, you will bear fruit. And so over and over, he's just hammering this concept of abiding out. And then he says in verses 5 and 6 to, to end us uh, our talk today, I'm going to bless you guys today. We're getting out before 11, all right? Verses 5 and 6. They are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world. The world listens to them. We are from God, and whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. It's a big idea. Yield to the word, not the world. You gotta, you gotta yield to the word. And how in the world do you know how to yield to the word if you're not spending any time in it? You don't. All you get is what you're getting from me on a weekly basis, if you make it to church, right? And so when we look at this, how can we know how to yield to the word if we're not abiding in the word and we're not in it? We're letting it do its work on us. The only way to distinguish between the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood is the word. So I ask the question, how do you even know whether to trust what I'm saying? See if it lines up with the word. Like I'm bringing it right from the word. Like and I'm trying to intentionally bring to you, this is what the word says. And, and, and this is what it's teaching us. And so that's called preaching, okay? It's old school preaching. You know what the word says about that? It is through the foolishness of preaching that God will confound the wisdom of the world. Like, this is the way it's been happening for two millennia. Ever since, like, Jesus rose from the dead, and all of a sudden, preachers came out of the ground. They just, like, got filled with the Holy Spirit, and they started preaching the Word. And whenever a preacher quits preaching the Word, you need to test that spirit. Like, if man, listen, if you move, you're, you get relocated, if you don't ever learn anything from Jimmy Holbrook other than what it means to be a born-again Christian, learn this. When you go to a church, the first question you ask is not, is the worship good? Not, is the kids' ministry good? Not, do I like this, that, or the other? Do they preach the word? That's number one. Like, because that's, 
That's, that's what the whole church, the New Testament church, is built on the Word of God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus was the Logos. And so he, we look at the Word, and it is what teaches us how to live and follow Jesus. So anyone who compromises the Word walks down the Word. Like anything in the like when we start compromising the Word, and you're like, oh, I don't know if I like that part. I'm going to change it. Anyone who begins to compromise the word is walking down the road of eventually compromising the deity of Jesus. And that's, that's why John is saying, don't do that. You've got to be able to listen to the word of God. So the way we recognize if a person is from God or not is whether or not they yield to the word. So thousands of crashes a year happen because a person fails to yield to the other driver who has the right of way. Millions of spiritual crashes are happening every day because people fail to yield to the right of way. And so my question for you today, as Brent leads us in this time for reflection, is are you yielding to the world or the word? Because Jesus said that his people will hear his voice, they will listen, and they will follow him. And the only way to know if it's him is the word. Thank you for listening to audio from Overland Park Community Church in Overland Park, Kansas. For more information, visit us online at www.overlandpark.cc.